This is musicians having coffee and talking about stuff. And uh, today we have, see, it even says that. Uh, today we have Mr. Thomas Vauber, the head of Inside Out Records and uh, a good friend of mine for many, many years. Uh, too many, actually. <laughs> right? I was thinking about how old, how old I am. I was like, my goodness. We met when probably I was 36, I'm thinking. See, to really, to really put it into perspective, and I think that's, that's once you start looking at it that way, it becomes clearer. When we met, you were younger than I am now. <laughs> and when we met, we both didn't have kids. Right now, both your kids are married. Yeah. My son's going to university, etc., cetera, right. etc. Cetera. So, yeah, that's, yeah. That's well, I had Chad. I had Chad because from sure Sherry's first marriage. But uh, yeah, I hadn't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Will and Jada, we did, we didn't have yet. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's right. Yeah. Wow. So, so either we've known each other for a long time, or we're getting really old. It's one <laughs> of the two, or both. <laughs> or both. So, how's everything going there at uh, Inside Out, man? You're in uh, Dortmund, or are you in Kleve, Germany? Yeah, I'm. I'm working from home. I've been working from home uh, for since the pandemic started. Because, of I mean, as you know, obviously we're, we're a Sony-owned label now, and uh, Sony just said uh, told everyone to go home. Right. Um, I mean, they've been really good like that. I've got to say, you know, very protective of the people that work there, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So basically, they send us all home, and I'm working from home a lot on anyway, as you know. Yeah. Um, that, no, I've been working from home for a year, and um, and it's like uh, you you start getting used to all these Zoom and Teams and Teams and Skype calls all the time, yeah. and. Um, I guess for us, it, it, in, initially, it's getting used to actually seeing yourself on a screen. I mean, for you guys, that's like that's what you do, right? But for us, uh, at first, you get very conscious of it. So it's, uh, it's so it's been interesting. But in general, it's uh, it's an interesting um, interesting period for two reasons. Um, one, the the recorded industry has kind of been the uh, um, everyone has kind of said the recorded industry is dead and the only way you can only make money and keep things going in the live sector, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and this thing has like turned everything upside down because guess what? If you can't play live, you can't make money in the live sector. Um, right. And, and we can still sell albums. And I think for the recorded industry side of things, uh, the, I think the bottom line is because we've been decimated so much already yeah. over the last two decades. It's kind of we've, we've hit rock bottom already anyway. It can't get any worse. Hmm. So we're, we've been kind of doing well on, on the level that we're at, as you know. Yeah. Um, and the weird thing is that during this pandemic, the two things happened. One is some people are saying people are spending more money on on physical product because they can't spend it on tickets and things like that yeah um so that's interesting because we've had one of the best years we've ever had um but i think that's also to do with uh, with the general roster just getting stronger and stronger and stronger so the releases are getting stronger right um but at the same time i think fans in these times um they're really supportive, you know, and I guess everyone needs a bit of escapism in times like this. And I guess you guys are providing that and and we're sort of your vehicle to bring it to the people. So 
So that seems to work quite well. And another interesting thing that has happened, I think, <clears throat> and it's going to be interesting to see how that works out afterwards, is that obviously people have been saying for a long time, you know, Best Buy is not stocking CDs anymore. That's already happened. And there's chains like that in Europe where people have been saying it's only right. a matter of time when they stop stocking product. Yeah. Well, now, again, guess what? Um, everyone's been forced to stop <laughs> stocking product because you can't get into the stores anymore. Um, and it seems like something that maybe would have taken a few years um, has now happened over a year where it's like, it seems like people have worked out where they can get the stuff. If if you want to buy a transatlantic album or a New Morse album, they're all very well aware where you have to go and buy. And it's not just Amazon. There's other retailers. I mean, there's your online store. It's our online store. I was going to mention mail that. Order. I was going to say something about that, actually. Yeah, I mean, yeah. and uh, hope it's all good. And um, and there's <laughs> there's obviously other mail order companies. So it, right, there might be there might be some others. Yeah. Perhaps like yours. No, no, no. I mean, and and yeah, uh, yeah, and there's other ones, but um, <laughs> but I think in general, I think in general, we can't complain at all. And it seems like with musicians, it's been two, di- it's gone two different ways. There's the ones that have taken this opportunity and have become really productive, like yourself. You mean, mm. you had a solo album, the, the transatlantic album you're working on a new new Morse band album yeah and there's other musicians that have been really deflated by the whole thing mm. kind yeah, of like well, bother. and for me it was like uh, well here we are what can we do right so um thank god for you know the advent of home recording so i have a home studio which wouldn't have been possible some years ago but Sure. And and well, actually, my favorite thing to do is to create. You know, that's my favorite part of the whole process. So I was like, wow, thank God I can come in here and, you know, create Solo Gratia and um, practically do, you know, almost all of it and then send out for the rest. And it was the first time we ever did that. And I was so surprised that they didn't want to. You know, usually when we get together, oh, everybody wants to change everything. You know, I mean, usually there's a lot of changes that occur. I mean, that's why you get together. So, I mean, nothing, nothing wrong sure. with that. But I, I was I was so surprised with that one. You know, I sent it to Mike and Randy and they were both like, oh, no, no, we think it's great just like it is. I'm like, are you just saying that? <laughs> but anyway, yeah, it was uh, such a blessing to be able to to do that and feel all the inspiration you know, it wasn't it wasn't manufactured, you know, I wasn't like, oh, I need to make a record. So, uh, you know, it wasn't a cash grab or anything like that, you know, so it was that turned out really good. So it hasn't been that way for everybody, you mean? No, it hasn't been that way for everybody. And um, honestly, I think Sola Gratia is a great example of a, of a Corona album. Uh, that's how they're right. called now. Yeah. Of a Corona album that actually, in my opinion, and you know, I'm, I've always, you know, I go through stages and some, some of your albums are like more than others. Generally, obviously, I'm into what you're doing. But there's, you know, you can't always make the best album all the time. But I felt especially with uh, Sola Gratia, it had an energy uh, and it had a vibe that I thought was kind of inspiring because it didn't feel like you were dialing in. It felt like you were actually making an album and you had fun making it. And it was it sounded like it was a great process. So I think that always comes across. So um, I think that, w- that that was a good album for for one of the good things 
to come out of this Corona phase. Cause you know, yeah, um, totally. obviously we're, we're getting a lot of great music that we wouldn't have gotten otherwise quite honest, but obviously there's also a lot of musicians and you kind of, it's our job and, and I guess the manager's job and everyone involved. I mean, obviously it's much worse for the crew guys and everyone else, but um, I think there's some musicians that feel really deflated and they can't get motivated to write, you know? Yeah. And I don't write music. So I, I obviously I, I don't understand. I mean, obviously I've been around musicians long enough to kind of understand, but I don't know the full process. Cause I think if you're not, doing the process yourself, how would you? Right. And I guess some people, they just get depressed or they get demotivated or everything is doom and gloom. And I guess sometimes it kind of stops the well and some people just can't deal with it. So yeah, sure. it's, it's been an interesting, so, so it's been an interesting, it's been an interesting period for sure. And there's some good stuff that came out of it, apart from obviously all the hardships that a lot of people have to endure all over the world. But if you're purely talking about, inside out as a company or, or, or everyone as musicians and all this, just this isolated bit, I, there's some, there's some interestingly good stuff come out of it, which is what's kind of unexpected. Yeah. So man, let, we yeah. got to go back. I mean, it, <laughs> we got to go back. Um, I, I think, far? I think you might've been the first tour manager that I ever had actually. You were so not just not just box beard, but full stop. Yeah, yeah. Well, the very beginning. <laughs> well, because I hadn't done very much. I don't. Had Touring, I joined I when I, when yeah. we first toured Spox? Had I joined the Eric Burton, the Eric Burton band yet? I can't remember. When no, we first I think came you over joined. There. I, I think you joined afterwards. Anyway, I, I I've been trying to get you to tour manage ever since then because I thought <laughs> I thought you were great. <laughs> and, and well, then, I. And this is the one th one thing um, about about Thomas. He's very diplomatic. If you haven't known that, if you haven't figured that out yet, uh, but something that, something that became like a staple in my family actually were some of the things that that Thomas would say to placate us when we were on tour, <laughs> and Rio like Rio would be saying, "When are we gonna get the Leslie? I need real Leslie, no, no Leslie." Leslie. Right, no Resri, no Rio, right? <laughs> exactly. He said he used to say that, and Thomas would just say, "We'll work on it, we'll sort it out." <laughs> and so I used to say that to my kids all the time. And like when I we finally met you somewhere in in Germany, I was like, "Hey, this is the guy. This is the we'll sort it out." And what I came to understand that most of the time, "We'll sort it out, we'll work on it," meant nothing's going actually going to happen <laughs> <laughs> well see see the thing is you know it, it's it's not some genius uh, thing that i came up with myself when i went on tour for the very first time and i actually think being on going on tour yourself is is a very important thing in understanding how musicians work and the, the whole the whole thing just works in general dealing with bands and and I was uh, the first time I was out touring with an, with another band who were friends of mine, IQ, and the crew guys had been around for a while, and everyone just gave me advice like, "Well, if you're in charge, all you have to do is you have to look like you know what you're doing. That's what they want. Just grin and nod a lot, and it'll be fine. Just just project confidence, <laughs> and then the musicians can go about doing their thing. And and if it's an important thing that needs to happen, then you just deal with it. And if it's more like, well," 
I don't want uh, crooked bananas, then you're just like, yeah, whatever. Right. You know, it's so, so, you know, so it's, uh, that's been, it's been a great piece of advice I actually got from someone else. And it seems like it, it seems like it worked. So. Yeah, yeah, it worked. It definitely worked. Um, but Thomas and I first met, let's see, um, how did it all come about? Like in the very early days of Spock's, there was a cassette. We had a... Jim Petarski, he definitely needs to be mentioned. Jim Petarski sent me a cassette. A cassette. Yes. <laughs> a cassette, you know. In the mail. Just, like this is like... It, it just, yeah, just... Just this let that sit for a while, <laughs> right. you know. And that, that's not even really in human history. That's not that long ago. We're talking about 1996, probably, right? Yeah, 1995, 1996, something like something that. Something like that. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, he sent me a cassette of of, and it had the light on it. And I, I remember, I actually, I've actually got a weird picture of me putting it into the, the tape deck uh, and listening to it. It's been, and that was just such a revelation at the time because they were, as far as i'm concerned doing you know that kind of stuff hadn't been done to that level for a long time so and that's why everyone obviously was getting really excited about the whole thing but i remember listening to it and being totally blown away and that's i guess that was for me certainly the first step and then i think uh, jim connected us and um uh, you were doing your your Irish pub gigs, uh, one, one, you know, one of your tours with that and the famous Paderborn thing. Well, um, it's, I don't it's know, only famous been, to us. It's they only famous don't know, to us. Nobody, nobody who's listening knows what you're talking about. Well, Paderborn is like a mid-sized town in the middle of nowhere in Germany, basically. Yeah. But um, so I drove up there and you played in an Irish pub uh, playing covers uh, I remember you played. I think uh, I think it was one of the uh, Steve Howe acoustic tracks uh, to maybe try and show that you're prog as well or something. I don't know, but I remember that vividly. Oh, did um, I play Mood for a Day or something? I think maybe something could like be, that. Yeah, yeah. Um, and obviously, that what we've always been joking about is that after after the uh, after the show, we went to the McDonald's in Paderborn and sat down and had a chat. Yeah, and the rest the rest is history. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, f again, for those who don't know, in after I left LA um, at the beginning of '95, um, I you know I think I only had five hundred dollars or something like that. So I very soon ran out of money, and I discovered that uh, musicians make even less in Nashville than they do in LA for playing live shows. So I was talking to my brother Richard, who was living in Germany and playing uh, mostly Irish pubs, but all kinds of gigs. Um, and he said, well, you know, they love American musicians over here. And uh, <laughs> so, so he set me up with these little Irish pub tours in Germany. And so for the first couple of years of our marriage, I would go over there and, uh, you know, play for like, two to three weeks making like two to 300 a night with tips, I think on average. And so I'd go home with a few thousand dollars and we would live off of that for a while. It's hard to imagine now. Um, and uh, so I, I, anyway, that's how I, that's at that. That's what I was doing at the time that Thomas contacted me somehow. I don't remember how we contacted each other on the phone. I don't remember talking to you on the phone. 
But did uh, we have email back then? No, <laughs> no, there wouldn't been email. It, it might even be for email. Yeah, no, it was really. I mean, there so was email, but no, hardly anybody was really using it. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think that's what it was. It must have been phone. I mean, I don't see. Yeah. Or maybe, or maybe uh, Jim sort of set it up. I can't remember. Maybe he, he even he talked to you, and then he talked to me and worked it out or something. That's possible too. Yeah. But, but anyway, um, uh, the funny thing that I remember was as we sat there at the McDonald's, uh, Thomas plays things very close to the vest. He's uh, he's <laughs> he's the master of downplay. <laughs> I remember many times I'd send you the demos of a new record and it was like, well, it's all right. Hmm. Well, you know, <laughs> and I thought, man, he doesn't really it wasn't like it. that bad. Well, when the way we were talking to me, I don't I don't remember any details, of course. I just remember having the feeling like I wonder why he's come to meet with me because it doesn't seem like he really thinks very much of the any of this and and then you very quietly just said well i but i just do have to say that of all the demos i've heard i think this is it's the best this is the best i think it was the demos still wasn't it or was it the yeah, actual album so. might have been the demo i think so anyway yeah the, this was the best thing that i've heard or something and i was like oh <laughs> It was just your demeanor, you know. It, it, you didn't you, you didn't seem really excited. I'll just say that. He's a very low-key guy. You know. Anyway, that's how Fair enough. That's how I see you. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you and and that's that's what makes you such a good manager also is that this kind of even keel kind of kind of sense. But uh yeah, that always cracked me up when you said that. I was like, "Oh, I guess he likes it." And at that time, what were you doing? You didn't have Inside Out yet. No, we did. Um, but had only, we had only set it up in 93. Oh, really? Um, yeah, but it was in the, in the very early stages, very early stages. And um, and um, I, I obviously was also involved in the uh, the GEP label at the time. Yeah, I mean... And, it, still, am, and, and still am. And uh, we put out the album on the GEP label because there was a was a bigger infrastructure at that point in time. But Inside Out was a part of that infrastructure. So um, I think the first two or three albums maybe came out in GEP, but we were already yeah. distributing and promoting it as Inside Out. <clears throat> and then at some point, we just switched the thing over. Yeah, it was after yeah. two or three records. So we were on GEP. Yeah. Uh, but um, And it was several, I think we kept, saying hey man when can we go come over there and play right and and you were kind of like well we'll work on it right <laughs> we'll sort it out and uh i think it was i think you were waiting to really feel like it was the right time or that we were ready or hey aren't you going to talk about the heckling incident at Brockfest? oh yes Yes. Oh, this is so this is so classic. I forgot about that. Yeah, so during that time, very early on, 96 or whatever it was, maybe it was late 95, um we played Prague Fest. So is this the first we played it twice. Was this the first time? I think it was the first one, yeah. Um 
It's hard to remember all, all these things. I, but yeah, I know what you mean. At that time, then Thomas and I were getting pretty well acquainted, and I think I sent you a cassette of the demo of The Doorway. Yeah, that's and right. And so we played The Light or something, and all of a sudden, I hear this person yelling in the, in the crowd, Go away! You know, I thought, though, you know, at the Prague Fest, we were, like, at that time, really well-received. And, you know, I think even at one of them, I said, the first one, I said, wow, we found our people. So I was really surprised to hear a heckler. I was used to hecklers in the pubs, you know, that stuff is shaisa, you know, play some blues or whatever they might say in the pubs. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, yeah, I heard this, go away, go away. I'm like, wow, Prague hecklers, I say. And it turned out it was Thomas. It was you. <laughs> and he, was, he wasn't saying go away. He was saying doorway. Doorway. You were making a request. Small, small, small but distinct difference. <laughs> yeah, because I, I mean, I still think to this day that's one of the best tracks ever. I think it, that's one of the tracks when I think everything came together. What was the essence of Spock's beard? at mm. the time and until obviously you left the band so I, I think that was a very important track in the uh in the whole discography of the band but i guess the point is in a lot of ways i had seen the band live before we brought you over and right. uh, i think one person who definitely needs to mention in this context as well is michael schmitz right of course yeah because obviously in the beginning you know we both were inside out music and and he was very instrumental in in booking the shows and all that stuff. Yeah, yeah, you guys were more partners. I remember, I remember us being on the bus in some cold, desolate place. We just flown in and we just got on this bus and we we're like, whoa! And we were in the middle of nowhere or something. And you two guys came up in your little tiny car and you both got out and I was like, wow, these guys hold our lives and our futures <laughs> in their hands. <laughs> I think wasn't and it was you the and first Michael. Yeah, was wasn't the first show in like a downstairs jazz cellar type thing like, with a yeah something called a big like the pole in front of the stage yeah, yeah 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 something like that yeah I can't really remember what the city was but it was another one of the, it was like Paderborn it was one another one of those kind of lesser cities I suppose you might say uh, yeah you know, it, but, was, it wasn't um, like you know Berlin or Frankfurt or anything. So I, I, I think in a lot of ways we were all, how, how do you guys call that, winging it? Right. Um, but the, the bottom line was, you know, by that time, uh, word had gotten around so much that I, I remember that tour being a big success. And, you know, even at some of those shows being like four or 500 people. And at that time, I mean, nowadays things have changed slightly, but at that point in time, that was unheard of for a proc band. Um, that wasn't called Genesis or Yes or King Crimson or anything like right. that. Yeah, yeah. So, so it really that was really the kickoff of a lot of great things that uh, that happened afterwards. Yeah, for sure. and we had. Uh... I remember particularly a show in in Karlsruhe. It was like a big box that you set up in, and I think there was like six hundred people, and everyone was like, "What's going on?" Um, but yeah, there was there was so much excitement back then, and it's uh, it you know what, and I've got to say this: the one thing that bums me out a little bit about this is when you left the band. What in two thousand? Two thousand. It was officially two thousand two. Officially two thousand two. Yeah. 
that's what, 20 years ago? Almost, yeah. Think of all these fans that never got to see Spock's beard in its prime. And mm. that's, I mean, you know, with you in the band. Right. Um, no disrespect to what happens afterwards, but 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 then that's that's that was the origination of of so many things that happened in in the scene in general in Europe, mm. but also for you guys. And I, I mean, I, I tell you what, to this day, I'm I'm so glad that that is something I uh, I was there to be a part of. That that's like. That's almost like, you know, you were there when, when Genesis started playing little student uh, places, you know, and things like that. So it was really, it was a really exciting period. Well, that's, that's quite a compliment. Thank you. Um, you know, I mean, you know how good the band was. You know that. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and, and we, all, we all know and we all knew, you know, and I think that was the thing. It was so good that it couldn't be ignored. Um, and that's basically why it became so successful at the time. But anyway, you know, it's but it's weird to think it's such a long time ago because, like, um, like let's just say Freddie, for example, you know, who's been working with us now for eight years, and he's a huge fan. And it's like we always joke. Well, were you even born when <laughs> when they when when Neil was still in the band, you know, and he was maybe like ten years old, you know? Right, yeah, yeah. It's it's so so strange. Yeah, um, it is. It but is. hey, you know, it's you know, it's life. You know, things happen, and but I, but I do think that um, that was the nucleus of a lot of great things that happened to yourself and to us and everyone involved back then. You know, it's just a great time. Yeah, it's kind of like we all, you know, we all came up together. Really, uh, your uh, your company. Um, you know, it wasn't a long. It wasn't long after that that then the transatlantic thing started, which was yeah. a big, uh, you know, a big seller. And then I re I remember um, I and I have to mention that uh, at, when I did quit the bands and uh, what you made that rather dramatic decision. Um, you were one of the very few people that called me to see how I, how I was, um, and I always I always remembered that I was, um, because most people were really upset with me about how it was going to affect them, and um, it must have affected you profoundly. I think it, later on you mentioned, like. The I I can't you you stretched out you know in business a lot of times you're stretching out making project projections about what sales are going to be and you know you were you lost two of your biggest selling bands <laughs> right there right definitely yeah yeah I mean definitely I I remember I was I picked up uh, I, yeah I picked up Dark Art from Enchant from the airport. And uh, I think you called me in when I was in the car. Um, so, and that maybe was a good thing because that wasn't an environment to really, you know, just, kind of, I mean, you, I mean, what are you going to do when you get told something like that? You know, especially because, and I think that that's the main thing, you know, forget all the business stuff. I mean, that's one thing. And that's something that I've always kind of lived by, but you know, what we've been through up until that point and, 
I mean, you know how things started to take off and it was more like, hey, we all worked so hard for this and, you know, it's uh, it's really starting to happen now. So on the one hand, obviously you think, okay, well, I don't have to listen to Rio's dirty jokes on the tour bus anymore. But on the other hand, you know, it's like... Uh, Did Rio ever tell dirty, dirty jokes, Thomas? I... I, you know, it's kind of, I think it's lost in, in, in history or something. But it's, so it's kind of like you just look at it and you go, wow. But at the same time, and I think that's the bottom line. I mean, we all lived together on those tour buses. You know, we all shared a lot together. You know, it was more like a family, Yeah, I think. So sure. at the end of the day, you know, obviously knowing you quite well at that time, Oh, but by that point, I realized, oh, wow, something fundamental must have happened. Um, so obviously, you know, you you didn't make that decision because you said, screw all the other guys. You know, that wasn't the point, you know, and that wouldn't have made sense. Um, so obviously something was going down. And of course, you know, as a, as a friend and, and associate uh, by that point, uh, I think it's, that's the first thing you do. You ask what's going on, you know, and you don't go, Oh, how could you, you know, because it's, Hey, look, it's your life. It's your decision. You know, I mean, you had to make that decision and I'm sure it must, I mean, I know it was a tough decision, but also obviously when it, once things unfolded and it became more sort of a reality of why you did this. And there's obviously a few different reasons but obviously the the, the one thing that affected it um i mean how could you not just go look man it, it we'll work on it <laughs> you know we'll work on it you know we'll, we'll figure it out and it, it's actually for <laughs> me that was a was a was a good learning curve in the sense that um that uh, you kind of learn that you just got to believe in stuff and hope that things will come around and most of the time they will not all the time but most of the time they will you know so i guess looking back on it um i think things worked out for all of us i mean obviously we had sure no did. idea how how things would have worked out <laughs> otherwise you know right um but at the same time you know I, I think none of us can complain in any shape or form um how everything developed uh, since then and uh, look we're, we're here to tell the tale right 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 yeah um it was you know of course it was a really difficult time for me i mean i the thing that i've and i've talked about this before but i'll talk about it again um the thing was and often grief is a little bit like this like people process it at different times in different ways and so i had already I'd sweat it all out. I'd grieved. I'd grappled. I'd for like nine months before I told everybody. And I think like, you know, after I told the band, like, it was like, oh, Thomas is next. Brian from Metal Blade is next. You know, I mean, that yeah. was kind of the next, the next people that I needed to tell. And probably by that time I was feeling relieved like if you feel this burden of this thing that you that you feel like you need to do um and you know it's going to be really unpopular and especially something like this it's pretty crazy really um but then you know actually after i made the leap because the big deal the big deal was telling the guys in the band of course that was the 
the biggest, hardest thing. And I, I've told you about that, right? How I didn't know how I was going to tell him, and I flew out there, and I still didn't know. And we couldn't record at the regular place where we always recorded, which was one big room, because I was like, Lord, how can I tell them in a... It needs to be in the right environment. I can't tell them this, you know, this earth-shattering news for our lives, all of our lives. Uh, I can't tell them in a restaurant or something. And then I got out there and, you know, Nick had booked this other studio because the regular studio was booked and it had this private upper room. And, and, and I knew that it had all just been orchestrated, you know, um, for me to to give the news and and... It was hard, but afterwards, I don't know how I... Uh, when I called you, I don't know how did I sound. Did I sound relieved, or do you remember? You know what? That's actually... Uh, that's a good question. I'm not sure I can I can actually remember. I, I, I don't think it was, it was a, like a dramatic or phone call or something like that. So you must have been at a point where it's like, okay, I, I know why I'm doing it and this is my decision and now I'm going to talk about it. You know, I, I yeah. think it was more like that. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. it was, but then, but it was a, <laughs> what a roller coaster, you know, the whole thing. Um, but then I think what happened, you know, I, I was still on the roller coaster, but it was evening out a little bit more for me after that. But then, it, the, you know, the guys just started off on theirs, you know, and uh, probably you had some of that to go through as well. Of course. Yeah, but... Uh, sure. But I mean, you know, I think, to be honest, to be fair, I think, I think it hit the other guys the hardest because we all had somewhere else to go to. You know, obviously, we, we had a company that was starting to, to do well and... Um, you know, we had Symphony X at the time, which was a big deal for us, and other things happened. And I had, you know, I'd obviously known the Dream Theater guys for a long time, and we started getting their solo, some solo projects and all this kind right. of stuff. Yeah. Um, so there was a lot of stuff going on where you kind of knew, okay, let's just be patient, and it, it'll all come out in the wash. But I think for the other guys in Spox, it, it that I mean, they obviously, and you know that I don't have to tell you that. You know, for them, it was the must have been the hardest. Um, and understand, understandably so, I guess, because yeah. at the time, you know, the, the feeling when the whole thing started building up, it was pretty much like, well, we've tried so many times and now we're doing this, this idiotic thing that we love doing. And all of a sudden it's like, wow, what's going on? Yeah. So it, it was a very sort of bizarre thing, but at the same time, I don't know, you, you know, you never know. Maybe, maybe that's how it was supposed to be. Maybe it was supposed to be this this really intense five, six years uh, of camaraderie on many different levels. And maybe that's, that's, that's how it worked. Maybe it wouldn't have worked beyond that. Who knows that? I mean, no one can tell, right? Yeah, so no, I, as, I was, as I was weighing it and grieving about it and praying about it, you know, you, you, just, you, you don't know, you know, and God didn't tell me anything except that, it was going to be good. You know, I didn't have any sense of how it was going to be, how it was going to be good. I couldn't see how it was going to be good. I mean, I just, I couldn't see how it was going to be good really. And, but when you feel something like that, it's like, there was also a little bit of fear. Like, wow, if I stay, 
what if something really bad happens? I don't know. You know, uh, I don't know. And uh, I had this odd thing. And I don't even know what to make of this to this day. I, Will was in Little League. Will was playing baseball at the local park. And I, w- and I was just, I was meditating about this. I was just going through it for months. And I, uh, I went off to, they have this little swing by a creek near there. And I went there and I kind of prayed. And as I was walking back, I saw my son playing ball and I, the Lord spoke in my heart and said, you need to quit for him. You know, <laughs> how can you, how could you stay with feelings like that? You know, I don't, and I don't know. I don't know what would have happened the other way. And it really was never anything against the band. I mean, it was really hard to convince them of any of that. You know, uh, of course, but I, I think that's understandable. But I mean, but obviously something must wasn't sitting right for you. Um, and it, you know, and I think looking back on it, 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 you know, it wasn't the guys, you know, it wasn't because of anything anyone else did, I guess. I mean, you were just going through a tough period, you know? Yeah, um, it was a thing. So, <laughs> I didn't mean to get all... I get some of those things, you know, still make me feel pretty emotional. Well, look, you know, I mean, how how often do we talk about this stuff, you know, and it's it's like you forget about a lot of these things. Um, yeah. And when you start talking about them, you kind of starting to unearth some of the stuff that's been buried away for a long time. Right. So yeah. it's yeah. I, I kind of I totally understand that. And but but that's kind of what I'm saying. You know, this is you're talking about 20 years ago. And if you look at what you've done in that time, what what we've gone on to do, is pretty amazing. I mean, you know, if in '95 someone would have told you, you know, uh, 25 later you've recorded a gazillion <laughs> albums, you know, you'd have your own studio, you know, you'd be working with all these great musicians, and you'd be touring and doing all the rest of it. You probably would have thought, yeah, whatever, yeah, yeah. Oh you know? yeah, totally. And uh, and and continued and continued going round the the Irish pub with a hat to collect to collect the the um you know you know what I mean. Oh yeah, I and did that. I think I did that for and, a long and, time. But I think it's it it's kind of the same. It was the same for us or for me. There was never a plan. There was never, a, a, you know, a plan of world domination or anything like that. You just. You just went with the flow and one thing happened after the next and something built on the next thing and then something didn't work and then you were doing something else. I, I think at the end of the day, I think uh, we're incredibly lucky uh, to have gone through all of this. And, and uh, you know, I mean, as you would call it, uh, blessed. And I would say we've been extremely lucky, right? So and right. I think that's something to remember. Oh, yeah. You know, it's great the the way that Inside Out has turned into... Uh, you know, the premier prog label, uh, you know, I mean, there really isn't anybody like you guys. Um, it's a pretty unique situation. Last, la- last man standing. Right, last man, last man <laughs> But it's great, yeah, you know, yeah, it's yeah. like uh, all the, the I mean, what, uh, who isn't on your roster in the prog world now? I mean, the, there's there, the list would be much shorter of the people who aren't with you that are, you know, prominent than 
than are. I mean, right? Don't you? Isn't it? Isn't that I, true? I, I think. I, I think looking back on it, when we started out, and that was the early days of Spock's Beard, and you know that there wasn't an infrastructure for this kind of music at the time. There just wasn't. So no one was interested in distributing. No one was interested. <clears throat> In, in writing about it or reviewing stuff, it was tough. You know, there were fanzines and there was an underground scene. Did you run a did, the, did you run a fanzine at some point? Yeah, we we started a fanzine because no one else would write about this stuff. So it was wasn't because oh let's we really want to start a fanzine. It's more like well we haven't got a choice. Um, mm. So and this was before the internet. So <laughs> you know you couldn't go online and, and and find any bands or whatever. You know it, right. it was totally it was a totally different time. But then the thing with the proc thing is because it never really went away. It just went underground. Right. Um, I didn't know that. And um, I guess we were really lucky that we found some people in the business that were giving us an opportunity like SPV back then, for example. Right. I remember that. And it, it just built from there. And then the proxy built up again. And obviously you had Dream Theater at the beginning of the nineties. They were they had a great they were a great influence on a lot of the metal press writing about this stuff, which really helped back then. Yeah. <clears throat> Porcupine Tree was starting to happen, Spock's Beard was starting to happen. There's a lot of things, you know, Flower Kings, you know, there's a lot of things that originated at that in the nineties. And the whole thing started building up. And it's almost like at some point it kind of went like this again. And now I think it's, uh, I, you know, I think progressive rock in general has has been established as, as just one other genre of music. And, you know, back then we were pariahs, basically. Right. Um, and that's not the case anymore. So I think um, I think that's probably a pretty good achievement. But I think... I guess the fact that we're still stuck with it in a way and we're one of the biggest or maybe even the biggest label in the world for it, it has something to do with the fact, I guess, that, you know, it, it was never a business decision and it was never a conscious decision. You know, it, uh, if people ask me, you know, I always just say, look, it was all about helping friends. That's how it started. And they happened to be in progressive rock bands. Hey, you know, what do you know? You know, it's it's not about being on a crusade or anything. You know, it was just, it was a good time. You know, we had a good time. You know that, but we did. We we had great times afterwards too, and yeah. you know that too. Yeah, yeah. Well, it helps to have somebody. Um, you you there's a wisdom. I, I don't want to you know compliment you too much and make you uncomfortable. <laughs> But you, you have a certain wisdom uh, and caring. You know, I remember many times in my life when I was like, I need to talk to Thomas about this. You know, you just have that. And I'm sure having somebody like you at the helm, uh, you know, through all the dealings that you've done, I mean, that really, uh, you take the time. We've spent, we've spent hours on the phone over the years, right? <laughs> I mean, just as we'll, you do. We'll just like, and and nobody else. I was telling my wife recently. I love people that know the whole cast of characters of my whole life. Like you've been around long <laughs> enough. Like you know both my brothers. You know, you know, you know, you know them pretty well. You know, there's 
<laughs> you know, the entire cast of characters in all of my bands, you know, and so we can discuss things and you have a perspective that is just uh, unique and also that even keeled thing that really helps artists because artists are, you know, very often, you know, kind of by nature, I'm much more uh, just, you know, high and low and all of it, you know. So that I, I I've always appreciated that about you, and I'm sure that's why why you've also achieved you know the success that you've achieved because you're real smart. You're you're not you're also really smart about people. You know that it's you know you know who you can email and who you need to call. <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, I I I think I think there's two things that are really important in what we do, and the same goes for you too. And the one thing is, people need to be able to trust you. Um, which basically means that obviously I get a lot of information and a lot of insights and everything else, but they're not for public knowledge. And I never tell other people about that stuff. I think that's 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 a very important thing because if you're able to trust each other, then that's that's a very important basis for, you know, sometimes dealing with all the difficult stuff that we we all go through. Um, but and the but the other thing is also, and that's I've, I've thought about this uh, many times. You know, I think a lot of people who work on my side of the music business they're frustrated and failed musicians. Right. So there's always ego in play. There's like, well, I kind of know, well, I know how to do this, you know, and all this kind of stuff. And if I would be doing it, you know, and I, I never played an instrument. I've never had aspirations to. I've always kind of been on the other side. So I see it as a service to the bands. And that's basically what we are. We are a service provider. Right. And yeah. that's always what I say to to the people you know, newer people that that obviously don't, well, I haven't got a 20 year history. I always say, look, I am going to be honest with you, but I'm your devil's advocate. I'm not there to tell you what to do. I'm just there to question what you do. And there, I think there's a profound difference. Right. So if, you know, if you come up with cover artwork and I go, oh, really? You know, and then I might ask you five times and then you go, no, but I think this is great. Then I'm just going to go, well, your choice. <laughs> well, that's why, you know, that's why the European cover for the light was different. <laughs> yeah, I remember. Because that. you just hated that original artwork. That's very true. Yeah. I'm not sure what we what we had instead was any better, but at the time it just <laughs> felt like something that made sense. I remember but, that now. Um, yeah. Yeah. No, but anyway, seriously, I mean, I'd, I've been I've been very lucky, you know. I mean, look, if if we wouldn't have met, everything would have been completely different, right? So I think it's there's always a lot of luck involved, isn't there? You know, and um, I've just been very lucky. I mean, that's that's how I look at that. But the other thing, I guess, is is um, and see, and that's that's like Freddie, for example, you know, who obviously you know very well too. He's like half my age, but he's got the same understanding for this music, which is like he knows the really old stuff because his dad introduced him to it, to it, but he knows all the new stuff too. Yeah. And I think that's a very important thing, thing so you're able to put everything into much more of a perspective. Yeah. Um, but any, anyway, you know, as I said, you know, if there's compliments to be made, you know, <laughs> I've got to give a ton back, you know, because 
as I said, you know, it's uh, it starts with the music. It doesn't start with a record company. And we can just facilitate what you do and try and help as much as, as we can. And sometimes we succeed better at it and sometimes we don't, you know. It's like you make sometimes make a better album than other times, you know, and it's just the way it is. But I think there's, and that's that's what I think. There's something to be said for long-lasting relationships, right? You know, yeah, yeah. And, that was um, uh, that was one of the things that I always appreciated. And even when uh, you know I wasn't on your label for many years, there, um, we always maintained a good relationship and. Uh, you know, we'd see each other on the on the cruise or whatever, and you know, uh, my family knows you well, and uh, you know, it's it's a it's a different thing than, and I'm I'm grateful that you cultivated that. A lot of people, you know, you said uh, you, you you we we cultivated that together, but um, it's it's pretty unusual thing. I don't, I don't think a lot of people have that, you know, um, I haven't really had that with uh, any other music business people in my whole life, actually, where it seemed like they really cared about all the aspects. Most of the time, most of the time, the business people are just, they just want to, you know, they don't want to just take care of the business and move on and not, they don't want to like talk. (laughs) <laughs> yeah but that's yeah but that's not how the whole thing started you know right. i mean i guess the thing is you know we when we started we were both totally betting against the odds yeah i mean seriously think about it if you would have talked to a business guy back then about hey i'm gonna have, i'm gonna do a proc thing now they would have called you insane the same way that I think for a long time, people didn't realize how well some of this stuff actually does because it just, you know, wasn't on their radar. So I think it's it's like, a, and I think with Spox, we very much had this mentality of all for one, one for all type of thing. And I think that makes a big difference. Yeah, well, the, the battle cry for Spox was like, you know, screw it. Let's do what we love. It was all about doing what we love. Exactly. And, and even if it was if that was a pop song, we'd just go ahead and do a pop song, you know, and it, it was just so great. And I, the, the big acknowledgement really needs to go to the fans. You know, the fact oh, that all of us were able to do the, these things is because and 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 still with, with the new Transatlantic, you know, what a great response. Uh, so when we say thank you for your great response and that you I'm so grateful that we have a fan base that wants physical product. You know, because that's really the lifeblood of our 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 business, the business side of things, and uh, it's you know it's just a great thing how loyal, how dedicated they are, and that's the that's the lifeblood that really keeps the whole thing churning. Of course, at the end of the day, without the fans. We'd, we'd be nowhere, you know. It's, I'm glad you said uh, that. Uh, Thomas has course. certain things that he says, you know, little phrases that he says. And at the end of the day is one that you, you've been saying since I've known <laughs> you. And that was one of the reasons why I wrote at the end of the day, at the end of the day. Didn't I send that to you? It's like, hey, man. You know what? I, I actually remember the first time I heard it, we were on Torba Dream Theater. And you had, had the, you had recorded the album and I hadn't heard anything yet. Oh, really? Spox we, was opening we, for Dream Theater? 
Yeah, oh, that really? was on the scenes from a memory tour. And, um, and we were on the tour bus in the middle of the night driving somewhere through Scandinavia. And and you put it on in the bus. And it, it, I still love that track. I think, it, uh, you know, I, th- I do actually think that, I mean, there's always, I mean, there's obviously amazing stuff on all the albums, but as like a full accomplishment of, I think if someone would ask me what 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 was that band about, I would always give them five. I think. Yeah, yeah, I thought that um, was a really. That's so, one of my um, favorites too. But I, I think it's just I, I think it's and and I know you've been a fan of a lot of these bands, these older bands as well, and I think. I think that's the whole point. We were always fans, you know, of all this stuff. You know, it wasn't always, it wasn't like a contrived thing or, hey, wouldn't right. this be a great idea? You just kind of get on with it. And it's like a, it's almost like a homage to uh, to what you grew up with. I think that's, I think that's actually a very important point. Um, and I guess for me, it was just, I was so, you know, I'd, I always felt like I m- missed out on the 70s. Because <laughs> um, you were just being born, right? Wouldn't you be, have been born in the seventies? I was born in nineteen seventy, and and I I started buying my first albums when I, I guess when I was eleven. You know, I bought I think Abercap when it came out, <clears throat> and Yes songs at the time, and all this kind of stuff. But I I, I think I always had this thing where it's like I'm not going to miss out if something like that happens again. I'm not going to miss out on it. Wow, you know, and I think I think that was a, part, a big part. And I had friends at the time who were going to all these shows, you know, and like we went to ten uh, uh, Anderson Bruford Wakeman House shows, and we went to see lots of shows of this tour. So there was there was always this fan thing that hasn't really gone away. And as I said, you can't just kind of pay homage to these people in a way, you know, of what's gone before. But it's when you look back on it, you know, I mean, how many of, you know, how many pivotal, is that the word pivotal? No, what's the word? How many, you know, what? like key, key moments. Oh, key moments. Uh, yeah. In, in mm-hmm. that for the genre you've been a part of, you know, looking back at the last 25 years and, and I've been part of quite a few. It's like with the dream theater guys, we're always joking about it. I and again, this goes to Jim Podolsky, you know, I mean, bless him, you know, yeah. he's, he's been God a very important part of bringing everyone together. And yeah. um, I was at Jordan's audition for Dream Theater. <laughs> I was there in the rehearsal room, you know, in, in 94, whenever it was. So wow. the thing is, you just end you just end up being in all these situations because you're just into it and you go and see people and you see shows and everything. And it just kind of, I think that's thats what you were saying earlier, and that's kind of coming back to that, is that you just end up knowing everybody. Yeah. And not just because from hearsay or whatever else, you know everybody because you've lived through a lot of these things together. Yeah. You know, and um, I think that's probably that's probably the thing, really. Well, it's a totally unique thing. Uh, it's, a, you, it's a completely unique place, I think, that you have personally in the whole story of this stuff uh, you know there is people don't know that but maybe you know anybody who listens to this will get a glimpse of of all that you've been you've been doing a lot behind the scenes for years you were you guys came to this the studio in new york when we were working on the first dream the, uh, first 
Transatlantic record. <laughs> Transatlantic, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And, and that was, and seriously, and you know that, that was magical. It was. It was. I, I didn't mean, realize all of, it. All of, all of, I didn't know at the time. <laughs> I was kind of grieving, you know, sometimes when you're, when you're working on it, you know, you're sweating it, you know, but <laughs> I didn't realize. And you, you guys, uh, I th you guys funded it impartially, I think. Um, and, uh, yeah. So what a, what a great, what a great, amazing thing it all turned out to be. Yeah. The, that there was, uh, you know, of course, from my perspective that God was orchestrating all these things because I didn't have a clue what was happening. And, you know, you're just trying to make a good record, but then you look back and go like, wow, I can't believe how that all could have happened in such a short space of time. You know, I just, I just think a lot of that is really the miraculous work of God uh, through people and through people like you, whether you know it or not. There you go. Maybe. <laughs> no, I did, you know, but uh, I, you know, I think we've just been blessed, as you would say, well, well, thank to work you. with a to work with a lot of amazing people. I mean, hey, yeah. Rio, Rio, yeah, yeah come Al, on, yeah, Dave, Nick. Yeah, you know all these guys, amazing guys. Portnoy, you know Mike. Okay, uh, so, Pete, Reiner. I mean, they're all. It's we're just surrounded by all this amazing talent. Yeah, yeah. What a blessing. Uh, I mean, to me, it's a tremendous act of God. The whole idea that Al and I walked into that uh, that jam night where they pull names out of the hat, and of all the people there, they pulled Morse, Morse, and Di Virgilio. That's how we met Nick. <laughs> I mean, come on. Yeah, man. actually, I remember that story. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, I don't know. To me, it's all this miraculous working of God, even when we're cl absolutely clueless. You know, <laughs> God, you know, I was like stoned and I played terribly. I've, t I've talked about it. I talked about it in the podcast with Al. But uh, it's just amazing how it all has come together. In a beautiful I, I, way. I, I saw the other day that you uh, uh, the don't try this at home thing that you put it online or something. Yeah, there's an online video of it. Yeah. And the, the thing I always remember about, <laughs> about that show is and, you know, that's uh, now we can talk about it, that for the first whatever, four or five minutes, Al's guitar wasn't plugged in. Right. <laughs> and no one could it wasn't working and no one could figure out what was going on and there was smoke and all that and now was just like doing his thing like, hey! you know? and we were all like what what's going on until someone figured out that okay that's why it's not even plugged in he didn't unplugged it somehow um it's it's actually it's little things like that that uh are oh, the best memories in this gosh, whole thing we could tell so many stories it wasn't that the same gig where they were formatting the adat tapes when the concert was supposed to start like they had to send <laughs> yeah. somebody to amsterdam or something to buy tapes I'm not quite as dramatic, but I think we had to stop the show halfway through for them to change the ADATs in the recording studio. Yeah, you know, I think downstairs. we started really late. No, I think that was when I made my big yeah. speech. Were you there for that? Like, I had made a big deal about it. You had called me on the tour bus and said, hey, man, do you guys want to do this filming and, you know, and taping? And I remember saying... Only if they make sure there's really good audio. Because we'd gone through this where we'd paid for video, and then something goes wrong with the audio, and you can't use it. Um, 
And so I made a big think, big stink about it. And you said, oh, yeah, oh, you know, we'll work on it. We'll sort we'll it work out. On it. <laughs> <laughs> and I get there and I, I was and like somewhere in the afternoon, like we start setting up for the video at like 11 a.m., you know, and somewhere in the afternoon, I can tell something's wrong, but nobody wants to tell me. Finally, I get word <laughs> that they don't have any ADAT tapes and they've sent someone to another, another city to buy some. And then they're going to have to format possible. them because you had to format ADAT tapes before yeah, you yeah, could use true. them. So then they said, well, we're not going to have time for that. So we're going to have to format them on the fly. And I know all about this. We made all our records on ADAT tapes. That, that's right? actually very, yeah. I, I know how dangerous it, it is. That means you're formatting it while you're recording the show, which is like really, you know, 50-50 whether it's going to work or not. And I just went off like i just stood at the front microphone and just like went do you guys understand what's happening here i mean i i think everybody i think the whole crew and everybody's just looking at me like wow what's going on with that dude yeah i was really upset about that but it all worked out it did all work out yeah (laughs) every once in a while not very often most of the time we had just probably too much fun uh out there on tour actually <laughs> we'd stay up all night i mean my poor voice no wonder i could barely sing most of the time i was staying up yep. all night drinking and smoking and singing beatles songs and singing, david bowie yeah. songs like at the top of my lungs till like five in the morning i mean yep wow <laughs> yeah i'm so not like that now <laughs> like maybe one what? night we'll say if we have the next day off we're like okay we're gonna stay up tonight but a lot of times i'm just straight to my bunk man come on you know, gotta, so you don't you don't miss Rio's jokes that were basically the same every night, but it was still <laughs> it was still always really funny. Some of the stuff it's not meant it's not not stuff you can mention, but some of no. some of the his outrageous antics. Everybody was funny though. Al's hilarious, and Nick's funny. Dave's funny. Everybody. It was a lot of a lot of funny stuff going on all the time. You know, uh, but yeah, Rio, you know. <laughs> He was just, I remember after we played at that place in, what was that, Tivia, Tivoli, Tivoli in Utrecht? Tivoli, yeah. Yeah, great yeah. room. I love that place. And yeah, great place. afterwards, you know, the Dutch are very staid, right? There's just like, there's this room after our gig and these the, the crew guys are like drinking tea, you know, they're just like totally chilling out. And, and Rio just like runs in there, ju- like jumps up, stands on the table and and asks them to do some very peculiar things to him, and then and then he just jumps off the table and leaves. They're just like, what? <laughs> <laughs> and what was that? That there's that guy that we like we came to interview us in uh, Zeka or Bokum. Yeah, that's a pl- that's yeah, good yeah, place. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We came to interview us, and like, I don't know, man. It was just like absolute madness. We wound up like, like you know. Th- pouring hot wax on his back <laughs> and i met that guy i met that guy uh at a like oh he came to one of the worship services like years later and he was like oh hey do you remember me i was the guy i did the interview at bokum i'm like oh man <laughs> are you okay like we had knives and so we were joking around i mean we weren't gonna hurt the guy i mean i don't know what what we were thinking but we were just we, look, we, we was, were pretty, we, look, we were we had, pretty crazy. Everyone had a great time. Well, everyone had a great and time. And I think maybe that was one of the things that was really refreshing about Spock's was we were so not 
stuffy. You know, we weren't pretentious. <laughs> no. We weren't pretentious. We were more like just like insane, you know. Uh, Pete described seeing us in London as like just a bunch of like mad people playing this mad music and just like running all over the place, <laughs> you know. <laughs> so, yeah, it was it was a lot of fun. And I'm, yeah. I'm glad that we had you f- to support us. I'm still glad for your Whatever. support, Thomas. Yeah. Huh? The new Transatlantic album. I'm still glad that you're you're still supporting. Still crazy after all these years, and, as they say. And you're and you're still writing. I'm still writing. Oh yeah, I got got new ideas all the time, man. Yeah. Still yeah. plotting and uh coming up with new stuff. And I I think and one thing, and I've said this to Freddie the other day, one thing that I find quite amazing at the moment is you again you're always kind of also with the bands you go through spells sometimes you go through a few years and and like everyone's putting out albums you know and it's there's always a certain quality about it but sometimes it's like missing you know that little something but at the moment it's uh, it's an amazing time, you know. I mean, the new and new Morse Band album came out amazing. You know, the Transatlantic album I think came out really well. We've got the Liquid Tension album that came out amazing. The new Green yeah. Theater is amazing. You know, it's all these people working on on great albums. You know, and it's it's music that's really exciting. And I think you can't take that for granted either. Oh, not Especially at all. Especially when everyone's been doing all this for such a long time. Oh yeah. Yeah, but every theme, every idea that comes, you know, to me, it's like, you know, raindrops from heaven. It's just, it's so special every time, um, you know, I, I, I'm i not jaded about music at all, which is the, the most important thing. You know, I just, uh, I try to give off, you know, or, or let go of as much of the business stuff as I can and and focus on the music because you're absolutely right. That's the source, and that's what it's all about. Yeah. Yeah, well, that's a good place to land, right? For sure. Yeah. Well, it's great talking <laughs> with you, man. Yeah, uh, definitely. My friend Todd uh, Todd asked me, hey, how's that podcast stuff going? And I said, oh, it's great. You know, I'm I'm getting to, like, spend time talking with people that I don't, you know, normally, we're not going to have, we, you and I have never, we're not going to have a Zoom call, but I think it's really cool. You know, well, to, we, and especially you wouldn't talk about this stuff. You know, no. we would talk about other stuff. You know, yeah, like we talk about stuff that we can't that we can't post on the internet. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but um, no, but I mean, I watched the Steve Hackett one, and I thought that was great. You know, it gave quite a good insight into what Steve's like. Yeah, as a person, you know, he's just such a humble and lovely and down to earth guy. It's unbelievable. Yeah. Um, and yeah, that so, really came across. So I think some these things sometimes they can, you know, I think they can, at this day and age when fans really want to find out what their quote unquote heroes are all like, you know, it's uh, it's a good way of finding out whether, I, you know, I sometimes wonder whether the old days when you didn't have all this access was better or if this new way of doing things offers some insights that are maybe better. I don't know. Yeah. But it's certainly different now. It is certainly different. But uh, it's good talking with you, bro. Definitely. And good seeing you. All right, man. Take care. (laughs) Okay. Take care, Neil. (laughs) Bye. (laughs) 